Welcome back. It's episode 73 of the Catching Up Podcast. Nick, what's going on? Not much. How you doing, dude? We are in person. When was the, I don't think we've ever recorded an episode in person we before. We have not recorded an this episode. This is the 73rd episode, and we're finally doing what? Sitting next to each other. It's weird, like, looking you in the face right now and being <laughs> yeah. like, oh, like, we're recording the show. Because usually I'm just, like, staring off into, you know, space somewhere. Well, uh, yeah, over the last year, you've been staring off because, I mean, we usually have the dialogue about, like, oh, what are you looking at? Like, I remember yeah. you were sitting on some beach one time. Yeah, I was... And, I feel like um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I've sat on a number of them, but uh, it might have been Boston. Um, Boston, where I stayed in Boston, there was a couple beaches close by, and so um, that was sweet. Uh, but dude, I've you know I've been sitting on a ton of porches and beaches, <laughs> and you know, and then random rooms. Yeah, yeah. no seagulls flowing by right now. Yeah, uh, one of the challenges, dude, was finding a place to have this conversation that's quiet and I would be because like when it's you know usually we record at 9 a.m uh pacific time on a Friday and so when it's like noon on the east coast or like even evening time when I was like in um Europe or Africa it's like ah crap like I have like 20 minutes before we (laughs) before we record so I gotta find like a, a coffee shop or like a Hopefully, like, a quiet neighborhood or where I could just sit down and, like, record. So yeah. that was always a tough <laughs> Always just dealing with all the noise. I mean, I've been guilty of that, too. Like, walking. Be like, oh, I'm going to record the show, walk into some meeting. I think I did. It was the first or second episode ever. Like, over outside of a Starbucks on East Lake over here. No way it was the first episode. <laughs> I think I was more prepared. Um, and, yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah. I can't believe we've been doing the show it's for great. two years. It's, it's wild. Great. Um, yeah, so to be at 73 episodes over two years, I don't think that's that bad. Uh, before this, we got coffee over here at the yeah. Cafe Umbria in Westlake. And, uh, yeah, how about you kind of tell about that was a little more than a year ago that we met there. Was that a year ago? Yeah, because yeah. it was right before you left. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I remember when all this went down and, you know, I announced uh, that I was going to kind of take off and, and go on this tour. And so we'd met uh, over here and, and just chatted about everything that's going to happen and, this travel and tour and um i just can't believe it's been like 13 months basically it's been a year a year and a month and like what has happened how like life has changed you know for both of us um and then to like come back and sit down and basically experience like i don't know it's just the dynamics are totally different and yeah. i was just telling you and you know, I can start talking about it more, but, you know, how we're now, like, going to create this, like, show about, you know, the, the travel and the discovery of talent and things around Founders Live. We're literally going to start filming uh, whenever that happens this year. But, you know, just w- the way that what is in my life and what I'm talking about has changed the, the like, dynamic and the level of things. Um, and if you compare that to a year ago. And then when you go back, like, even a year to two years ago, like, I had a good life, and I, I, I do remember that, but um, I don't know. It's just I'm, 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 I'm happy and blessed of what's going on. Yeah. Um, but it's so how do, you, how do you feel right now? Like, when, right when we walked in this room, right, we're looking out onto South Lake Union here from this random building that we snuck into. <laughs> um, right, and, and right when you looked out, you kind of just like how things have changed, yeah. and you were reflecting on that. Yeah, I think, I don't know, my reflection was like, this looks a lot smaller to me now, and, and you know, I've by being in all these cities and, and now kind of living more of a world citizen, not just a Seattle or U.S. citizen. Um, God, it was, it was a, it's a little, um, 
it's like homecoming. It's a little like kind of nostalgic, but then I realized like there's so many more cool places in the world. I mean, I can't, you know, this is beautiful, but like, you know, in New York and then in, in Boston or Buenos Aires, like there's like equal things like this that I've seen and hung out in. And mm -hmm. So it just, I have such a different perspective now. I do, I have a larger world perspective. I feel actually attached to different types of cities versus just identifying Seattle. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, it's like, this used to be my playground. This used to be my neighborhood that I would walk through and, and look at every day. And like, I'd be up there, cause I, you know, used to live up on the hill overlooking Lake Union. I'd just sit there, have a beer and be like, this is a beautiful place. I love this place. I would never want to leave this place. And, and now I have a different view. Yeah. Like, it's not that I want to leave, but I, could see other parts of the world so would you live in any of these cities that you've been to like would you seriously consider move or would yeah would you consider moving I, to these spots well i could i would um am i no but um yeah i, I definitely could man I, I definitely could see that um you know i, I really enjoyed boston i think yeah. boston's a really interesting city and there's just dude there's there is like universities and and so like it has a mix of like uh um of knowledge and youth and then uh a mix of technology a mix of history and then a mix of just like kind of big city but it's mm -hmm. like dude it's like the same size as seattle so it's not like manhattan where you're just like geez like this is way too big uh so i like that combination of of all those things together there's just I mean, there's universities all over that place. Yeah. So there's smart people. So you're not gonna. I mean, the the conversations you have on a daily basis, you're gonna encounter. You're gonna encounter a smart person, and that's diff not not always the case, especially yeah. in some cities in this country. Like, I'm not saying they're bad or worse, but or you know, like just having like intelligent conversations. You per capita. You're gonna have that in in, uh, in Boston, you know. Um, and then I thought DC. I wouldn't say I would live there, but DC was pretty surprisingly cool. I thought it was cool and interesting. I was there in August, so you know it's great. You can you're on rooftop bars and like beautiful weather, and but you're looking over the monuments, and so you just it gives you a better appreciation of the the country. Yeah. And like what a, I mean, the freedoms that we have, and honestly, like even what's happening in the last couple of weeks, like like you know. I don't know. Not I'm not going down this road, but you know, when we whenever war type of things happen, they're always off our land. Yep. And we gotta be thankful for that. Yeah, we're so lucky of how far away we are from everyone else yeah. that uh opposed to like nine eleven, Pearl Harbor, they're having they're we don't have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't had to. You know, and of course our problems are the like damn shootings and all the BS yeah. that happens. We've got a That's lot of internal terrible. problems. Internal problems. But in terms of, like, war, it's usually not happening on this continent. Yeah. And, and that's, like, a good thing. And, yeah, we're And, very and lucky. so you, you realize that when you're in D.C., how structured our government and the massiveness of it. And you per I appreciate it for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And there's just so much history on those East Coast cities. Yeah. Right? I mean, not compared to what you go to London, yeah. right, where there's a thousand years of history. Um, but even just having 250 years is something. Compared yeah. to here, there's not that kind of history here in Seattle. Yeah, right? we got like a hundred years. So, um, yeah, look, I the best thing about this whole thing is I if I needed to uh, live somewhere else, I have some ideas of where yeah, I want to live. But um, man, Seattle has got my heart. You yeah, know? it's like it's always. I think it's always going to be home in one way or another. Yeah.
So. All right, so let's jump into these topics. Um, so we got two articles for everyone out there listening here on the podcast. The first one, um, shout out to my fiance Amanda. She's actually the one who shared this with me. Uh, but the headline from the Harvard Business Review is research. The average age of a successful startup founder is 45, which to me was pretty shocking. Uh, and so some other quotes here that to, to give you some context is when we analyze founders who have won TechCrunch awards over the last decade, the average age at that time of the founder was just 31. Uh, for the people who were selected by Inc. Magazine as founders of the fastest growing startups in 2015, the average age was only 29. And so, um, and, and they say consistent with these findings, Paul Graham, a co-founder of Y Combinator, um, he said that the cutoff in investors' heads is 32. After 32, they start to be a little skeptical, right? And so they go on and explain this. Uh, they pretty much debunk this whole thing. And they say uh, as far, and the important word here is successful yeah, founders uh, is that 42 to 45 age. And, and they talk about uh, we're kind of blinded by social media and Mark Zuckerberg coming out of college and Bill Gates being young and founding it. But they talk about like Jeff Bezos really hit his peak. He didn't hit his peak until he was 45, right? And he worked on the company for a long time before then. And so, Nick, you've met, I mean, thousands of founders now. And so, like, what's your opinion? What do you think? What, before reading this information, what, did, what would you have said the average age would have been for a successful founder? And uh, why do you think this data says that it's 45? Yeah, I... I before reading all this, I would have said between 40 and 45. Uh, I think that clearly the success, or successful is the keyword there, and I would have said 45. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it's interesting. I, there's a couple sides to this conversation. Number one, um, what's great is there are a lot of, there's young, act, there's activity, people from a younger demographic. I'm excited that they're interested in entrepreneurship. And innovation and yes please get out and try things and, and be creative and innovative um, but I, I think the lesson here is when you think about successful and that's relative but basically for me for me the successful really means like they've created something that actually is running growing and there's some sort of financial aspect to it and you know it's it's, it's impactful and sometimes most times that takes a long time. It takes years to, to, to do that. So, you know, if you're 20, 25, maybe even 30, you know, you might not have had enough industry experience to create something that can be successful. That seems to be what it is. So if someone that's 40, 45, they have the connections. They have industry expertise and they, so they've noticed like, oh, there's an issue deep down that we're gonna go and fix. But does a 21-year-old know actually enough about an industry to fix a problem? Um, and, and, you know, in the end, like, maybe they're just better financially, I guess, set in the sense that they can, uh, they can afford maybe a six months or a year of self-funding their own thing. You know, these are all aspects of the reason why I do think, in the end, that age group is actually going to produce a, a more successful thing. Last thing I'll say on this, which is equally important, I... It, it's not equal. It's not always the case, but a 40, 45 year old would have a better grip on what leadership is all about yeah. and how to handle a team, how to lead a team versus a 21 year old. 21 year olds don't know about leadership. Sorry. You know, like, uh, hopefully they can learn quickly and hopefully they can build a team. But 
there, there's a lot there, right? So I think all these come together and say, well, that age group actually does result in more successful per capita of age. You're going to have more successful. That, so that's my opinion. Um, that's what I've seen. Yeah, I think the experience point is so important, right? One of the data points in here says there, the founder that spent three years in a niche market working for another company was 85% more likely to be successful yeah. um, starting their own company. And that just comes from experience, right? Understanding uh, the deeper root of all the problems and seeing how other companies are coming to solutions and realizing, oh, there's maybe a different way to solve this problem. Or in the three years they are there, they had that problem yeah. occur to them every single day. And they're like, all right, it's time for me to solve this. And then I think you make a really good point about the leadership, yeah. right? You just, you know how to deal with people. Being even at when I started my company at 28 and now being 30, like I'm intimidated to hire people because it's like, oh, I still don't have the experience to manage those yeah. people. Uh, especially I'm personally intimidated by managing people older than me, mm -hmm. uh, right? There's such yeah. a weird dynamic, right? To have someone who's, even, even if it's only one year older than me or think about someone coming in who's 45 who has significantly more experience than I do to come in and tell them what to do uh, is an intimidating process and so when you get up there into the mid 40s you really have uh you're, you're building that like sense of like i'm the yoda now right like i'm gonna pass on my information and, yeah and you're not so intimidated and you've you've seen so many you've probably had so many interactions with different people about like all right i think i am better at conveying this information in the right way to help them feel better about the negativity or the positivity that's coming through yeah and so that makes a lot of sense and i think that it's probably one of the most important important and one of the key aspects to success or failure of a startup is like can you hire people can you lead them and can they grow and develop and and you know if you don't if, as a founder or leader of the company if you don't have that capacity it's gonna be hard to really build a team around that and for them to stick with you yeah so so yeah. how come the like the, the entrepreneur name isn't being tied to the 45 year old let's just call him the 45 year old man because I feel like nowadays like entrepreneur is like 30 year old yeah. startup kid. Right. Well, why is it not? I think it's sad that it's the media wants the story and the story is the like outlier and the outlier is like typically the younger, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that, that is, I don't know. It just, it bothers me. We were talking about this earlier. It's just like the way that the media has kind of warped some of these things um, so they, they then, uh, because more people will read or share something that is random, you know, it's like more outlandish Then yeah, of course, like they're going to cover the younger person, which, Hey, you know, look, if you're a younger founder, uh, whether it's Zuckerberg or other that, that creates something and then builds a team and all of a sudden they're a fairly young person that's built this interesting growing thing that, that is newsworthy, but that shouldn't be what our media industry, you know, shapes the narrative around. And, and so maybe that's it, you know, but, um, you know, and I, I'm now, because of the things that I'm now getting into, this is the way that I think, which is, well, the 45 year old married guy with two kids that just shows up every day and builds his company. That's a boring story. Yes. Unfortunately, it's a boring story. But hopefully you want to be boring and hopefully because boring, if you just show up every day and build your company and work, do the things you do, you, you will be successful. Yeah. But in terms of media, it's a boring story. It's a boring story. <laughs> yeah. And, and possibly that boring lifestyle 
creates a lot more success yeah because there's not the distraction yeah. right the 25 to 30 year old especially if they're single is yes spending a lot of time on their startup but also is chasing other aspirations yeah, yeah. chasing other people um trying to explore and define themselves on that you know however many hours it is and so there is a little bit of distraction and although someone with a family also has that family distraction i think it's consistent right so it's like come home i have my family i have the stabilizing point so when they do go to work they can kind of manage all that because they do have some stability uh on the outside world yeah it's crazy okay so we're talking about leadership and kind of uh as you get older being able to just through your experience have better decisions and a decision that i want to talk about was there's this article that came out uh to geek from GeekWire, and the headline says bernie sanders enlists amazon employee activists in climate change campaign and so these amazon employees have already been outspoken at amazon about changes that amazon needs to make uh to get out of the fossil fuel industry and be more sustainable and, and help the environment and take more of a stand and bernie sanders uh is tweeting out about how the company responded and they want to retaliate with threats of firing. So it sounds like allegedly Amazon is threatening to fire these people, but they also have come out and said that they've changed um, some of their standards of practice. And where was that article? I'm sorry, I lost it. But they, uh, we recently updated the policy and related approval process to make it easier for employees to participate in external activities such as speeches, media interviews, and, and use the name like I'm an Amazon employee. And so now they're faced with this kind of HR issue where these employees are joining Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders has been outspoken about um, changes that need to happen at Amazon. And so... How do you deal with this situation? Like I'm so conflicted about it's a tough position to be in now that especially because this content is so public and the situation is so public. How do you deal with these employees who are, I assume, assets to your team in some type of way, but then publicly coming out and kind of shaming you to make changes? I mean, do you fire those people? Do you reprimand those people? Um, You know, how how do you take a side on this? This this is definitely a rock and a hard place. I know that, but I don't know. My thoughts are as you were describing it. It's like, why not? Why not take the the maybe seemingly non traditional path, which is keep them on. If you keep them employed, like it, when you look at what's happening with Google, Amazon, Facebook, others, and and how the scrutiny is so massive now. Well, it really is important to have like. It's important to have employees on your team that that are kind of driving that language, because if you if you just fire them because you're like, oh well, it this is totally counter. It's it's making us look bad, air quotes, or or you're 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 publicly talking against the company. I don't know. That just it feels like you're putting your head in your sand. And so why not embrace the diversity of thought that your employees have? And it might help you over time actually like work with the political candidates. Maybe even at some point if they're president, you're on you're working with our teams and, and, and you're working towards a solution because putting as a company, putting your head in the sand saying, We're gonna continue without any input and not change, like that's the wrong approach. Um, but you know, I think probably having close conversations with those employees saying like, look, we don't fully ident- we don't fully agree with your stance but we appreciate your viewpoint and please just make sure that you're kind of running these things by us 
Because, like, there can be disagreements within the company. Um, I think it makes most sense to actually keep them on, even if they're not... Even if they're 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 kind of questioning some of the things that the company's because you need that from your employees. Yes. Uh, so I don't know that that's my initial gut reaction is like no they shouldn't be fired. It'd be I think that that would be terrible. Yeah. Um, I it, think it that, could really backfire. It could. It um, could look really bad because if you're fire you're, them. you're basically if you do that you're you're telling all your employees you can only talk this way and have a political stance this way and if not then you're fired. Yes. And I think that that's pretty bad. Yeah, it doesn't give your employees the freedom. And and like a important leadership principle is to have that devil's advocate on your side. Yeah. Right? Like an important way to grow your company and have a perspective of competition and other things going on is you have to have that other angle coming in so you are aware of your surroundings, right? And and all the pitfalls that could come from around it. So yeah, I think it comes down to like, are you having real conversations with these people, understanding where they're coming yeah. from? Uh, I think these individuals, uh, it must be hard, right? She has a quote of, uh, I was really scared standing up to my boss. And I really felt like it was my moral responsibility given how urgent the climate crisis is. And that, yeah. and that makes sense. You're entitled to have that opinion. And it's, I, I mean, I believe it's true. The climate crisis is a big deal. Um, you also have to balance. It's interesting thinking from the employee's perspective. It's just you got to be careful about what you say, right? Because, I mean, she's a, a full-time W-2 employee. She's also a stockholder, most likely. Yeah. So, like, you don't want to do something that ruins your livelihood either because the growth and success of the company also uh, has a direct impact on your future income and your livelihood. Uh, so it's interesting. you got to be very careful about the things you say because you're not trying to take down the company you're hoping just to navigate and and i think you're right if they can kind of come together in a collaborative way right and now you have direct access if bernie sanders becomes president you have a better opportunity to kind of come to some type of agreement right when when the axe gets thrown which is i mean the democrats are saying a lot of information about dropping axes on these big tech companies you want to be at the negotiation table at least right so you have a chance to to put in your say um but but it makes sense like if she's seeing that amazon is not doing their part i mean they have a they all these big companies are going to have to figure it out yep right um and it's it's a lot of decisions on individuals not just companies all right these companies are just they're just that identities that are set up in delaware right (laughs) companies are actually just a bunch of people making a lot of decisions and so i always find it interesting that brands get put on the hook um right and jeff bezos is getting put on the hook quite a bit um but there's a lot more other people involved than just just jeff bezos to make a lot of these decisions but making big climate changing uh, decisions in your business is not easy, right? No. A trillion dollars. No, a trillion that, dollars is a big economy to make these kind of decisions to change. Dude, not only that, but I, it's just, you know, it's not just Amazon, it's not just Google, it's not just Facebook, but it's, it's, it's crazy that as a company, I mean, these are large, large organizations, but they're now starting to get kind of wrapped into this political conversation and it's got to be really difficult. So difficult. And what do you do? And I think you have to at least, you have to encourage uh, a, a diversity of thought. Yeah. Because that's where um, intelligent decisions come from. It can't just be a specific, a specific thought process and only a specific, you know, direction or result. 
um, you know, a diversity of thought is important and perspectives. Yeah. Uh, but then it becomes a tug of war and what, it, you know, what it's just a hard thing, yeah. right? Especially when you're talking about how many, how, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees that identify as employees for, for Amazon, like you're never going to satisfy everyone, you know? So, yeah. So how do you go about that? But then now you have these, uh, political candidates that are saying X, Y, Z, and some of it's good and some of it's not so good against the company. And so th- there's not an easy answer here. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious where you draw the line as an employee. Uh, if you have disagreements with your company, what? and I think I bet everyone listening to this has experienced this in some time in their professional career of – I don't think this is the right place anymore. I don't either like what they're doing or it's not right for my growth or my trajectory or whatever it is, so it's my time to leave, right? So they're in an interesting spot because, yeah, they're kind of coming out and saying, I don't agree with what Amazon's doing, but I agree enough to keep my job, yeah. right, and, and keep my paycheck. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, a tough line. Yeah, because eventually you would think, all right, if you agree, disagree enough, then maybe you should leave. Right and do something else. Right and fight and and but that becomes adversarial. Right because you, these people could probably make a better impact by continuing to be good employees while also saying, hey, let me help drive change yeah. for the better good and kind of being the the bridge in the gap. Um, I think yeah, more good can be done, but opposed to leaving. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a tough thing. It's what's one thing to speak out and be like, oh, like I disagree with this, but. I agree with so much more, right? And I think we can, we can be better. Uh, it's an interesting position. But I think every anyone who has employees is going to deal with that at some yeah. point because you just never make all the right decisions. That's impossible to do. And, you know, my personal opinion is um, encourage freedom of thought and speech versus stifle it. Like, in general. Yes. Of course, every word that you say, you now have – you are responsible for as yep. an employee. But – encourage freedom of thought certainly you know that's my opinion yeah i think that's i mean that's kind of why america has become america right because we have encouraged that more than everyone else uh for the most part right we we still have our challenges as well excellent well that concludes the show here the first ever in-person catching up podcast with connor and nick nick so uh we're actually filming this on saturday morning but what do you got going on what's uh your agenda looking like yeah so you know, today is um, the memorial for my father, and you know, so we're finally getting around to that just because of the holidays and all that stuff. So it'll be, you know, a special day, and excited to see some family and friends, and you know, just um, spend time in that space. And then, um, yeah, so I'm around. I'm here in Seattle, and um, for a couple weeks, and and then I just jump. Even though I'm kind of still on the road, but I jump back on the road, and I'll, for February I'll be down in Portland, and then um, March I'll be in Austin and kind of hitting that again. So um, yeah, just getting back into it. I felt like this week was a little, just energy wise, like I just I don't know for some reason like I think I just had the holiday hangover and like the post like year long tour hangover. Yeah. And I just I actually want to get I, I I'm feeling myself wanting to get back in motion. Uh, being in Seattle, it's either, it's just a weird, like, oh, okay, years o- like that year's over. Yep. But now it's, I'm ready to actually get back in motion. And I just had, a, I don't know about you, but I've had a little bit of like shake out the cobwebs, like get the schedule back going and like work on the things. And I just have so much shit going on. Like, how do I go, how do I structure this in an efficient way? Yeah. And I assume when you come back 
to Seattle, you're so there's like these routines that are built in to yeah. your mind and you don't have those routines anymore well, you're living right. in a different and place so you like, don't have your spots anymore so like i yeah the airbnb i'm staying at it's a slightly slightly different neighborhood but like yeah you just you have this like cognitive like well okay when i was living here like this is where i went this is the, the neighborhood i went to and these are the coffee shops i went to and and it's definitely not that you're so i'm i'm like creating a, new, a slightly new uh routine um but in the same city. Yeah. But weirdly, hey, dude, this city has changed. So, yeah, I, I've, I've been back a couple times, you know, in the last year just for short periods. But look, the uh, viaduct's down. So the new 99's open. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of new buildings that, yeah. that are now open. And back when I was here living here, they were either holes in the ground or like basic uh, construction. But now these buildings are new, especially in Suffolk Union and Yeah, and Lord Queen Anne, all right, where you live in, there's a bunch of new wow. buildings. So it's just being a remove for most of the year, it's a the city is actually like the snapshot of the city's changed. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy to be here and yeah. to be living in it. And yeah, over the time you don't really see. It. I remember yeah. when around the time I first met you and I was commuting from Kirkland and working in Belltown and I'd walk through that now what's called a pre-grade area where all the Amazon buildings were yeah. and those were just empty lots yeah. um, right and there'd be like the occasional homeless person it'd be like 7.30 in the morning I'd be walking through there and it was just empty land and I remember I'd walk out this was like on like 5th Avenue um, I, or maybe 6th Avenue where that jazz yeah. club is and I would walk on that because that's kind of like where I felt safest in the morning is because there was all this open space out there and it wasn't like confined into yeah. Belltown. Um, and now that's not like that at all. That it's, whole area has buildings. It's, and it's so all amazing, man. Yeah. It is so amazing to see in just a short period of time. That was about five, six years ago. Yeah. And the amount of buildings that have, that have been built and, you know, those are all Amazon. Films. It's all Amazon. Yeah. Wow. Crazy what one company can do. The influence it has when they make a decision to stay in one city. For sure. All right. Well, that concludes episode 73 of the Catching Up podcast. Uh, Make sure to check us out on founderslive.com. Hit us up on all the social media. Uh, I'm Connor Kaysen. This is Nick Hughes. See you later.